We've, we just finished our 12 weeks of going through our One Another series. And, uh, you know, as I was getting ready for today, and, and I was, we were actually going through each one of the, ser- the, the messages and trying to shorten them down. That's pretty tough. <laughs> tough for some of us. <laughs> yeah, I know. Which one are you thinking about? <laughs> uh, but you know what? I, I think it's just been a, such a practical and a very applicable kind of, uh, of a series. And, and, you know, I was thinking in, in uh, December, right at the end of December 2019, you know, in 2019, for me, it was a good year. And I was just, we have a couple of days off, and I was sitting and, and thinking, and I, and I was also thinking, you know, man, you know, 2020, that looks like a really good year ahead. Uh, obviously, I don't have the gift of prophecy. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think any of us had any clue uh, of the kind of upheaval, the kind of transition, the kind of changes that were going to hit us, the kind of losses and things. And, you know, I, I, I didn't, I never would have dreamed that, you know, in less than two years, I'd lose three family members from my immediate family. And, and many in our church family, you lost somebody very close to you as well. You know, and, and in July 2021, I had no idea that in just a month we would be without a lead pastor. And so we've been in this transition time and in this change time. And, uh, and so we thought that uh, we would do this series. And, and, and then as we were thinking about today, we thought, you know, well, you know, there's some really great thoughts that have been shared. And so what we're going to do today is just kind of take a walk through and just give a very short little highlight of each one of the 12 themes that we talked about. And hopefully, you know, as you've been listening to them and you can, you can go online and you can see them on our, on our playlist, they're all there available. And that maybe there's something that the Holy Spirit nudged you or something through the series, but maybe you didn't take that step. And maybe today we can just kind of remind everybody, you know, kind of the path that we've been down and encourage us on the path ahead. Yeah, this is like uh, class review in school, right? Going back through the last 12 weeks of stuff, which I think is, is really good. And I think there's some really great stuff for us to keep in mind as we look at what it looks like to do community together, all these different things. So the first one we started with um, in our One Another series was the command to love one another. Uh, and we decided to start with that one because it's kind of like the overarching, like all-encompassing, like this is what it's all about. It's about love. And we had Barry come in and give us a great sermon on that and what, what that looked like. So we started out by asking, asking just a real question of why do we ignore this command often? Or why is it that other things take priority over this command to love one another? Why do we kind of like push it off to the side? So he's like, you know, what is it in your life? Because really those things that we allow to override this command, they're really a blip on the whole scope of eternity. So we should push forward into this loving one another. Uh, and so how do we do that? He said there was three things. He brought, he brought three gospel truths, he said, to enable us and help us to love one another. The first one is we need to remember and to realize that um, love is the whole goal of salvation. It says this in 1 Timothy 1.5, the main goal of our charge to you is to love. That is the whole point there, to love. And the law, all the law and prophets hang on these two commands, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Against such things there is no law. Or, no, that's, that's a different verse, sorry. <laughs> all the law and prophets hang on these two things, so it's all about love. So the second one, we have to remember 
that our sins have been forgiven. It says, who has been, he who has been forgiven much loves much. If we remember how much we have been forgiven, that helps us be like, I can love this other person because I realize how much I've been forgiven and God has forgiven me. Um, and the third one is that we can love other people when we actually look to see Jesus in them, when we look to see the places where Jesus is in their life. Uh, so that was his reminder to love one another. My takeoff point the next week was on Barry's second point on forgiving, and it was on forgiving one another. And, uh, you know, my, the verse that I was kind of my core verse was bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance that you might have against one another and forgive as the Lord forgave you. And, and uh, you know, most of us like the idea of forgiveness, especially when it's me that needs the forgiveness. But, you know, when somebody else has hurt us or betrayed us or, or done something against us, uh, you know, when we're the injured party, it's a little tougher. You know, forgiveness is a bit harder of a thing. And, uh, you know, though forgiving might not be easy, it is absolutely essential. And there is, you know, none of the other, actually, none of the other one another's will work without forgiving. And so, you know, I asked the question, so why do we forgive? Well, the first thing, and you're going to hear quite a bit of overlap, because these themes all blend into each other. The first thing is, well, because we have been given, uh, forgiven so much by God through Christ. You know, and if we forget the cost of our forgiveness and we hold back our forgiveness, God says that he will actually hold back on his tap of forgiving us. And then secondly, it demonstrates that our hearts are open to God and that they're responsive to his love and to his forgiveness and they're not focused on our own egos, which is a challenge that a lot of us face. And then the third thing was that, you know, the kingdom is, it is people. And it is relationships. And so, you know, the, the person that's next to me, the person next to you, is just as important to God as we are. So we ask the question, well, then what does forgiveness do? Well, there's four things. It unleashes God's forgiveness and healing towards us. It removes the offenses that are, can, can be there between us that can cause division. And it actually puts those things into Christ's control. And then it removes our self-centeredness. And it frees us from that pull that we all tend to have towards ourselves. And then lastly, it creates the base for, for reconciliation. And so, you know what, if we don't forgive, our, relations, our relationships will never work out. But if we do choose to forgive, they will work out for God's glory and for our best. And then we read... Therefore, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. The command to accept one another. And the verse says, accept one another as Christ accepted you. So how did Jesus accept us? How has he accepted you? With open arms, with love, with encouragement. Um, and so we are to accept one another in the same way that God has accepted you. And that word accepted means like received and welcomed. So we have been received and welcomed and accepted into close, close relationship with God. We've been received and welcomed and accepted into his favor and his blessing. We've been received, welcomed, and accepted into his community, into his body, the church. So we are to receive, welcome, and accept others in the same way who are sinners just like us. 
I think that's an important thing to remember. We accept others just the same as we are. We're all sinners, even if we see things differently. And the cool part is at the end of this verse, it says, to the glory of God. When we do this, God's the one who receives the glory. So we accept one another the way Christ has accepted us for his glory and honor. When we went through the, the, our weekend, when we did our history town hall, our, our transition coach, Bob Claxon, he was our speaker that morning, and his theme was on comforting one another. And Philippians 4.18 said, therefore, encourage or comfort each other. And he was, Paul was reflecting with the people about their feelings of uncertainty about what the future and eternity was going to hold. And, and, and just to come together and, and to hang on to each other. And uh, he talked about, he said, nobody gets through life without experiencing loss. He said, we all grieve. And grief is actually a, just the, the feeling of pain that we feel inside when we've lost something of value. And then he said, that, but we also have to move into mourning. And, and mourning is letting the pain out by allowing ourselves and allowing other people to express it and experience it with us. And he gave us a, a powerful example of grief from Paul when Paul was leaving the, the city of Ephesus in chapter 20 of the, the book of Acts. It says, when he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and they prayed and they all wept and they embraced him and they kissed him. And what grieved them the most was his statement that they would never see his face again. And then they accompanied him to the ship. And so he asked us the question, he said, so how do we bring comfort to our own loss and how do we comfort others? And he had just four points. And the first one was that we, we express it. And, and Jesus himself was a great example when he was at the tomb of Lazarus and it said that he wept deeply. And then second thing is we embrace it. You know, if we don't embrace our past and the things that have caused pain, then they're going to affect our present and they'll keep on doing that. And then thirdly, he said, we need to experience it. We need to actually move from just that inner grief and then we need to move into mourning with one another and process it together. And then finally, he says, we need to encourage it. We need to come alongside of those who grieve and those who mourn. You know, comfort is actually a ministry of presence with each other through patience and through listening and through loving and, and, and encouragement. And then finally, uh, grief is actually a gift. It's God's gift that enables us to get through the transitions of life. And we moved on to the one everybody loves so much. Confess your sins to one another. Um, and we looked at how this is actually a good thing, how this is what God has for us, because there are a lot of benefits to confession. Um, and we'll just quickly remind you of what some of those benefits are. Uh, first one is it brings forgiveness, which we've talked about. I mean, this is what Scripture says. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive you. I mean, Forgiveness is huge. I mean, I should have to stop there and be like, okay, we're good. Like, you get forgiveness when you confess. That's huge. Second one is it brings freedom. I think often we forget that sin is chains and bondage. And when we confess, it breaks those chains. It breaks that bondage. Uh, it limits discipline and consequences when you confess. I mean, if you get found out, like, there's a little bit more, you know, judgment. But if you can come forward and confess first, then there's, there's grace. Um, 
uh, it releases inner healing and outer healing. Um, we really look at a lot of this at our set free retreat. Um, it breaks our pride when we confess because we're like, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm not a perfect person. Duh. I mean, that's all of us, right? Um, it solidifies our decision when we confess, right? You actually put words to it. It's not something that you just think in your head, oh, I don't know. But you actually say it out loud to somebody else. It helps solidify that decision. Um, it solicits prayer from other people when we confess to others. Then they can pray for us in that. I mean, and that's huge. Um, it encourages other people to confess as well. It's like, hey, we're, we're all confessing together. It's a big party. Um, I think we all have stuff to confess, right? Uh, another one, and it brings, it brings accountability, right? Then people can hold us accountable to what, what we have said and what we've asked, like if we have for prayer about it or something like that. I mean, that's the community. That's the body of Christ being the body of Christ together, right? Like, and this is a huge piece that I think has been lost um, somewhat. We're trying to regain it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Hey, and, and you know, one of the things I really appreciated about this series is that we, we had so many different people speaking into it. And, and each speaker kind of brought their perspective and their flavor. And, and Michael uh, did our ser sermon on be at peace with one another. And uh, he had this really cool illustration that he used about uh, sea salt from the, the Dead Sea. And, and, and actually, it's really, really strong and salty if you pick it up and lick it. And, uh, and he, he kind of outed uh, Lauren on just a little bit stealing someone bringing it home. But, uh, but, but if you leave it out, and, and uh, I guess we just outed her again. <laughs> uh, if you, but if you leave it out to the elements, that kind of assault actually becomes dead and flat. And it, you know, Mark chapter 9, 50 says, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with each other. And Michael said, you know, peace is not just the freedom from disturbance, but peace is being steadfast in the midst of the chaos of our life circumstances. And we've certainly been... A, accustomed to experiencing chaos over the last couple of years and, and and it comes from not from within us it comes from christ john 14 says peace i leave with you my peace i give to you i do not give to you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid so peace is something that we actually receive as a gift from god a gift through the holy spirit by keeping in step with the holy spirit and so it begins with the work of Jesus in our lives. And on the cross in Colossians chapter 1, Paul wrote that Jesus reconciled us with God and he made peace with us and God so that we could have peace with each other and be ministers of reconciliation with each other. And then last he talked about the fact that, that peace is relational. You can't, I guess we have to have peace with each other, but to have peace with each other, and he said... Like salt, peace has got some real qualities. It's, it brings out rich flavor in our lives. And, and it also preserves. In chapter 12 of Romans, Paul wrote, as much as it is possible, bring, make every effort to be at peace with all people. And then lastly, he said, it's to be shared. It's kind of like the salt uh, shaker around a family meal that you share together that we should be sharing peace in the community, in the body, with each other. And so peace is something that is best shared.
And then we had Eric come and speak to us about being encouraging, to encourage one another. And the verse says, encourage one another with these words. And so we asked the question, what are the words we're to encourage each other with? So we looked at the passage before that, and it's all about Jesus coming back, how it is a guarantee. We looked at the fact that if you see a very pregnant lady, you know a birth is coming. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. We don't know when necessarily. We you know, can give an educated guess, but we know it's happening. And in the same way, we know it's a matter of fact that Jesus will return. It's a, it's a check you can take to the bank. Jesus is coming back. And he said, so encourage one another with the fa that fact that Jesus is coming back. It's kind of like, it's going to end, guys. <laughs> like, there, there will be an end to this one day. Jesus is coming back. So keep on. Keep on keeping on. This is the encouragement. This is what we're looking to. This is the, you're running the race and you're looking at the finish line. And that finish line is Jesus coming back. And it's the encouragement that we have to just continue on in the faith. Because our hope is all in Jesus. Right? So, um, to encourage one another, to keep pressing on, we remind each other that Jesus is coming back. To keep on. All right. And then uh, the next one was uh, one of mine. It was on be humble toward one another. And First uh, Peter says, uh, all of you, <laughs> that doesn't leave many of us out, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that in due time he will lift you up. You know, humility in our relationships with each other, it, it is so powerful because it demonstrates the true nature of our hearts toward God. It demonstrates God's heart towards us. And it also demonstrates that God, uh, the message of God that people can observe in our lives and, and, and for a world that desperately needs to hear and to see the message of God, of Jesus Christ as their Savior. Uh, we need to be humble and we need to be willing to align ourselves with God and his spirit. And, you know, I talked a little bit about pride. And, you know, pride is one of the most powerful human tendencies that many of us battle. And it's, pride is actually something that sets itself or it sets us up as the center of everything. Humility actually recognizes God as the center of our lives. And that empowers us to live sacrificial, serving, and trusting in our relationships with others. And when we humble ourselves toward each other in the church, we literally open the spillway for God to pour his work and his love into us individually and into us together. And we, released, we get released into more trust in God. And as we do that, we value our relationships with each other. We see each other as valuable on equal par with us. And we see the equality and the incredible diverse gifts that God has given to other people. In fact, we as a church, we need every person's gift working together. And then we also demonstrate the heart of God to our world, as I said earlier. And finally, humble people actually are living and actually experience being in the center of God's love. And as Paul writes, he said, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. 
And we're also told in Scripture to bear one another's burdens. And we had Brad come and give us a message on what that looks like. Um, and he used the, the analogy, the little box with the stump the pastor thing in it, which he already knew, so it didn't stump him because he had it planned. But anyways, try to stump him someday. someday. Seriously, somebody like bring something to Brad and be like, hey, Brad, give it a try. Anyways, they're going to do it after service, 100%. Bring him a water bottle or something. Um, but he used the thread as like, we are stronger when we're together. When we stand together, we are stronger. Um, and Paul is saying, hey, bear one another's burdens. And the burdens that, that uh, Paul is talking about in this passage specifically, Brad was saying that these are the soul issues. These are what's going on in our hearts. These are maybe the sin issues that we have going on. And that's kind of where it gets a little bit more messy, right? And often we tend to shy away from dealing with the messiness in our lives and in other people's lives. Because, I don't know, I th- I, I've, a lot of reasons. You have your reasons, but this is a call to get into the mud and help each other get unstuck because we need each other for that. So, yeah, Brad gave us four different attitudes to avoid in our bearing one another's burdens, in our helping one another. The first one was avoid condescension. This is the harsh words and condescending tones and whatnot. Um, We're told to restore and help with a gentle spirit in, in kindness, in love. The second was to avoid complaining. Um, I love this. He said, um, helping somebody is not an inconvenience. It is an opportunity to show them the love and the grace of Jesus, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Another one, avoid comparing, as in, well, I'm so much better than this person or that person or whatever, man. We get, so, we get in so much trouble when we start comparing with other people. The only comparison you make is between you and Jesus. How mean Jesus? I think that's the best place that we should go to that. And then the fourth one was to avoid controlling, trying to control every little thing about the situation because you are going to be the one to save that person. No, that's Jesus. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. Um, some, uh, one final point in this that I, that I really appreciated is he said, do this out of your gifting. This is going to look different for each and every one of us as we help each other. You know, somebody might be really empathetic, and they can really empathize with the situation. Somebody else might be the person who has some really good wisdom to speak into a situation. Somebody else might have the resources to be able to help, you know. Or if you're a young guy, you might have the muscles to be able to help in that situation. Um, We all have our different giftings to help in those different ways. So do that out of your giftings. Um, And I love how Brad ended with, he said, Start with practical help. If you're looking for a place to start to help bearing one, another bur- one another's burdens, start with practical help. You know, what, whatever it is, like digging a pit. I don't know if somebody needs a pit dug. I have no idea. Actually, we did that in Mexico. We dug an outhouse, which was great, which was awesome. Um, but start with practical help, and practical help often leads to um, spiritual help or to that to that door. I know through FID and our pantry, we see that all the time where we're helping practically, but the door opens wide to help spiritually and to speak into those things. So, um, yeah, let's bear one another's burdens. Yeah. I was wondering how you're going to get out of that pit one there, but you did pretty good. <laughs> Mel talked to us about something in a... I love the spin Mel put on to devotion. He said, uh, in fact, his title was Recovering the Art of Relational Devotion. He said it's something actually that our society, we live in this massive rush, massive information society, and, and we actually 
don't take the time for relationships and to be devoted to each other. And Romans 12, that's what it says, be devoted to one another. And, and Mel had this great analogy of, of a story from Aesop's fables. And, and he said that, you know, there were four oxen and there's a lion and he was always trying to kill and eat them because that's what lions do. And, and so whenever he would come to try to attack, they would back up tail to tail to tail and, and then they'd be facing all their horns out. And the lion could never break through because he was always facing a bunch of horns. And he said, but one day the, the oxen had a, had a quarrel and they didn't resolve it. And they went to different places in the field and, and off by themselves. And then one by one, the lion was able to pick them off and kill them all. Mark chapter 3, it says, a kingdom or a family divided against itself will fall. Anywhere that we have relationships, if there's division, it will fail. And one of our greatest needs is safety and security. And when that need is met, we tend to thrive. But without safety in our relational connections, life becomes very hard. In fact, I was talking to somebody out in the atrium this morning who's just kind of gotten into some really great relationships after a long period of, of, of isolation. And he was saying exactly this. He said, isolation was so hard. And, and so he talked about what devotion is. He says, it's valuing each other and valuing their needs and meeting their needs rather than meeting things that, things that we think they might need. And loyalty, loyalty in the long haul, not just for a day, not just for a week, but being loyal for a lifetime and prioritizing others by our actions and, uh, and our time and coming alongside. You know what? Words can be meaningful, but if they're not backed up by actions, they don't mean anything. And then he said, we need to be vulnerable enough for other people to know what's going on inside of us. And I know I, I, I fight with that one because I'm a little bit of a close person sometimes. You know, but he's, he went on, he said, there are ways that we can work at restoring our relational devotion. He says it starts with our relationship with God. And Caleb already quoted the verse, love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And once we have our connection with God secure, we find safety and security then. Because we're being loved, we have the confidence to open ourselves up to others. And then secondly, he said, we need to embrace the benefits. God created us to be in relationships, that, and, and that's where we thrive is when we are doing life with other people. And he said, we need to accept the cost. It will cost us in time and resources and emotional energy, but the costs are far outweighed by the dividends. And then finally, we need to step out into relationships where we can, where we can be devoted to each other. He suggested life groups. It's a great way. We have life groups here in our church and these are just groups of people where we are connected together on a weekly basis and we do life together. And also the idea of finding a way to plug into a ministry where you kind of work as part of a team or group and, and you're working alongside, shoulder to shoulder with each other and, and actually accomplishing kingdom differences. So and in, in closing, he said, you know, the benefits of deep relationships far outweigh the cost of our investment in building them. Yeah. And a few weeks ago, we looked at the command to pray for one another. 
and ask this question, well, why? <laughs> why do we pray for one another? And I love what Daniel 9.18 says, is we do not pray because we are good or have done anything right, but we pray because he is compassionate. We pray because God is compassionate. As we looked at Jesus, the image of the invisible God, what does compassion look like in his life and all the areas where he had compassion on people? And what we see is that when he has compassion on someone or a group of people, he acts, he steps in, he heals, he teaches, he restores, he brings life to that situation. And so that's what we do. When we pray for one another, we go to God and we say, God, bring life, restore, bring healing, bring your name, glory in this situation, this person's life in, in whatever capacity it might be. Because this is the reality is God's the only one who can change hearts and minds. We can't. We can't debate people into the kingdom of heaven. It is God is the spirit who draws and works in our hearts and minds. So we need to go to him to work in those situations with other people. Uh, and so we can pray for other people in lots of ways. Had a few, few ways to pray for people. We can pray as the Spirit leads, kind of whatever comes on your heart, but there's also a lot of prayers that we can pattern our prayers after as well. We look at it at Scripture, at the Bible. There's tons of prayers within the Bible that we can pray for other people. We look at the prayers of Jesus that he prayed for other people. We look at the Lord's Prayer. We pray that for, for other people. Uh, the prayers of Paul that he prays over so many different churches. I mean, pray those. Hallelujah. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, we pray for that over people's lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, all that. Um, pray the Psalms, because I mean, a lot of those are just prayers to God. We can pray that over people. Um, or we can even pray other believers' prayers. Um, I mean, I'm going through a book right now, which is it's called uh, Celtic Daily Prayers, which is awesome. It's fantastic. But anyways, there are some like deeply, deeply, deeply spiritual forebears that have gone before us that we can look to even what they prayed to God and find so much encouragement and richness within that. Um, yeah, so let's pray for one another because God is compassionate uh, and he can do the work. Hey, and then last week, our final of one of our series, it was Andrew and uh, I, I just love listening to Andrew talk and it's not just because he's got these amazing stories and he did he, he he shared with us some really powerful stories about their teams and the, the courageous teams that are working at at rescuing and restoring survivors of trafficking human trafficking in Southeast Asia and, and um, he used the the verse in first Peter chapter 4 he said each one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful steward of God's grace in its various forms. You know, and he talked about, hey, you know, I'm just this guy from Grand Prairie and, and out there and, and doing what God, what I think God has called us to do. And, and uh, I, I loved one line that he had. He said, we're, we're at work being a part of saving the world one girl at a time. And that one just kind of really stuck in my head. And it's going to stay there. And he said, you know what? The gifts that we have, they're given by God's grace and by his spirit. And, and they're not something that we can produce in ourselves. And, and if we've been given those gifts, he said, we should do everything that we can to serve God and to serve others because that's why he gave us those gifts. And he said, stop at nothing to serve the people that we're called to serve. And he said, do whatever it takes. 
You know, and it's probably going to be a long-term investment, but stay with it and keep on doing it. And he said, you know, we have this opportunity when we use our gifts individually and corporately to teach the world that Jesus is the one and the only one who can heal and who can save. And it's a message that they need to hear. And he said, as much as we've done, there's still much work to be done. And he talked about Psalm chapter 10. And it's it's a psalm where the psalmist is really kind of talking to God about this overwhelming evil in the world. And Andrew just encouraged us, he said, it's not overwhelming to God. You know, he has solutions to problems that we can't even comprehend the problems. The grace of God in our lives and in your life is the only way that we can walk through the strongholds of evil that will come up against us in our lives. And then he closed, and I loved his closing. He said, you know what? He said, I tend to be a bit of a fast driver. It's kind of like having both feet on the gas pedal. He says, I do life that way too. And then he encouraged us. He said, you know what, friends? You know what? Put both feet on the gas pedal. It's all God. It's all yours, God. And, and so just that encouragement to each one of us. Every gift that we've got, the gift that you've been given, is a gift that God has given you to serve him and to build his kingdom. And so we just want we hope that, you know, today you've just maybe been reminded of maybe a nugget, maybe a thought, maybe a picture or a story, and, and maybe the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you. And uh, I, I'm going to be closing our service and uh, before I close the service with a prayer, and it's actually the prayer that Andrew prayed at the close of our service last week. I was just really, it kind of, it knocked me over as he was praying it. And it was just so full of the Spirit as he prayed. And you know what? If, if the Spirit is nudging you, or maybe if as I'm praying, just put yourself into a posture of listening and of obedience. And then if the Holy Spirit, if God speak something to you, then take that step, whatever it might be. And if you want to pray, we'll have people down here at the front. They'd love to pray together with you. And, and then that's going to close our service after we pray together. So I just invite you to bow together with me. Heavenly Father, may we give from the gifts that you have given us freely. May we serve others freely with, with both feet on the gas pedal with no stop. Father, destroy any barriers or any temptations in our lives by your power. And may we give up any hurt in our lives. May we see your power in our lives and our families so that your glory and your name will be lifted higher than any other name. And from the rooftops, people will know that you, Jesus Christ, are the king. And you are the one who can heal and the one who can save. Inspire us and inspire our lives in this room to greatness. May we never get satisfied with the current status, but that we would seek deeper relationship with you. And would you do that to the ends of the earth and for your glory? Amen.
Can we just do one thing before we close? Yeah. I feel like we should do something together since we've talked about doing this life together, this one another series. So I would love it if we would all stand together, huh, together, and, and sing the doxology. Everybody know the doxology? We don't have it on the screens or anything. But I think it'd be it just before we go. I thought that was coming. Praise God, God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Go in God's peace.